I want to tell you, the closest I've ever been to God in my entire life, I know exactly where I was at. I was in Atlanta, Georgia, at Six Flags over Georgia, on the Superman ride, okay? And I'd ridden it that morning, and I loved it. And if you don't know the Superman ride, you get in, and they they strap you down, and then you kind of lay flat down, and you, you, you soar like Superman, and I thought it was so cool, and so I rode it, we rode it once that morning, and then I was like, we were about to leave, and I was like, if we do anything else, what do we want to do? I want to ride that Superman ride again. So we got on Superman ride, and the guys coming by, and they're checking the harnesses. They come by, and they grab the harnesses and make sure they're all down and, and locked. And as they came by and grabbed mine, mine just went, and my heart just stopped completely. And the guy, the guy came in, and he pushed it down, and it just popped right back up. And he, he pushed it really hard, popped right back up. And then he disappeared for a couple of minutes. And then he came back with this giant key thing, and he, he pushed it down, and he got on top of me, and he started cranking this key into the a harness, and the harness just cranked down on me until I couldn't breathe. And then, he, without a word, I said, is it good to go? He didn't say anything to me. He just kept on going, kept on, you know, went back to his harness check, went on, and I, we took off there on the Superman ride, and we were flipping and flying, and I was just holding on and praying and talking to Jesus, and it, we, I was so close, I'm just telling y'all, that's where it was. And, uh, but, you know, a few minutes later, you know, we got back down to the ground. The, all the har- other harnesses popped up. Mine did not. It was locked in place. The guy had to come back with the key and do the same thing over again. And, uh, you know, I was back at Six Flags just having a good time. And so for a moment there, I had this emotional response. You know, I got in this moment and had this emotional response. But, but you know, it, it, being a little silly right here, but, but still... There are some times where we talk about things like Jesus returning, and it can be something that people use to just bring an emotional response out of somebody and get somebody to a place. But listen, it's got to eventually get to a deeper spot. There's got to be something deeper to it. There's got to be something that, that, that builds inside of you that digs in and takes hold. And uh, so I want to talk this morning about Jesus returning, and uh, I, I want us to maybe go a little deeper with with it and talk about really why we might need to be thinking about it maybe a little more often than we do uh jesus told this story he also he always uh he often talked in parables he told stories that uh that that explained what he was what he was trying to get across in you know in, in layman's terms and so he told this story and it may seem a little strange to me and you uh but we're going to try to unpack it a little bit and try to figure out exactly what he's talking about okay so um So Jesus said this, he said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish and five were wise. And the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And so when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps, and then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please, give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were going to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. Okay? Um... This story is uh, clearly about uh, an upcoming event. It's about, it's about a wedding that's going to happen. And, and weddings are, you know, some of this may not make sense to us in our, you know, about what exactly is going on here. 
Weddings are kind of strange things, right? Uh, I think if you, know, if, if you didn't know what a wedding was, imagine you've never seen one, and you just plopped into the middle of a ceremony and just saw what's going on, all these people dressed up and facing you, like they were about to take a really weird prom photo, and uh, they're just, you know, they're all in these, these, these gowns and wh- whatever. And, you know, you're thinking, like, man, those are, those are beautiful. Someone tells you they're, they're never going to wear these things ever again in the rest of their life. Uh, but but uh, wet, they're, they're kind of strange things from the outside looking in. You know, some people say, oh, no, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a romantic. Like, it, it's two people making a, a big decision in their life, and we're all just staring at them while it's happening, you know? It's, it's kind of weird when you really start to think about it. And uh, I, don't, I don't remember much from my own wedding except for, like, pictures. I'm pretty sure that's all we did the entire day of the wedding. It was, it, we got to the church really early so we could take a whole bunch of pictures. And then when that was over, we immediately went to take more pictures in a different location with the same people. Uh, you know, everything was the same, but it was just a different backdrop. And then there was the ceremony, and don't let them fool you, they were still taking pictures the entire time during the ceremony was going on. We were just distracted by the ceremony. And when the ceremony's over, we had to take pictures with, you know, all the families and all the, all the other people who were there. We, I, me and Lauren hadn't taken pictures together, so we took our pictures together. And then uh, we went into the reception, and uh, the, only, the only food I got the entire time I was at my wedding was the little piece of cake that Lauren shoved in my mouth for the picture. That's the only, and then right after that, the car got there, and so we had to go outside and take pictures with the car because we needed pictures. Not in the car. We weren't leaving yet. The car just got there, so we went and took pictures with the car. And then, you know, finally we, we kind of settled down for a moment, just long enough to breathe a little bit. And then it was time to leave, and they snapped some more pictures. We got in the car, me, Lauren, and the photographer. She got in, and she was snapping some more pictures of us in there. And if you look at those pictures, if you ever see any of them, I'm, I'm kind of dead on the inside by that point. I'm just gone. But, uh, but I don't really remember much about my wedding, but, uh, but except for the pictures. And whenever I look back, I kind of get... You know, like a little PS, uh, PTSD, you know, just like, oh man, I don't want flashes of light. Uh, it's all coming back. Um, but but there, there were kind of strange things when we really think about all, all that goes into them. But, but uh, as strange as our customs may be, uh, you know, Jewish customs back then may be even a little different to us. So we may not understand this. But uh, after they would have the wedding ceremony, and then uh, from what I've read and, and tried to figure out, what I Googled, uh, they, uh, they would have the reception usually somewhere else. And it would not just be like a couple hours or whatever like ours would be. It would, it would be for days. It would be maybe even for weeks they would have this party that would be going on uh, because of the wedding. And, uh, you know, upon arriving, there would be a big, you know, a big, uh, basically like a parade to be coming in with the, the bride and groom. And so these girls in this story, they were chosen to be part of the celebration. They were, they were chosen to be part of that. And so this story is about that upcoming event, about getting ready for an upcoming event. But it's also a story about the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we think about sometimes a far-off place, the clouds and, and you know, all, all that kind of stuff, the, the pretty fluffy stuff that's far, far away. But when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, he wasn't talking about about something far away and distant. When he talked about the kingdom of heaven, he was talking about something that was already here, that was already here and now, because wherever Jesus is, wherever the king is, the kingdom is also. 
And so when Jesus talked about the, about, about the kingdom of heaven, he talked about a place that was here and now. And, and uh, Jeff preached a, a great sermon that a few months ago. Uh, go back and listen to on the podcast about this kingdom and about what it means. You know, a kingdom where, where uh, when, when we uh, give everything away, we actually gain everything. It's, it's, a, it's a great message. Go back and listen to that on the podcast. But, but this kingdom, uh, it's, it's a kingdom that maybe, you know, you don't look around and see the walls and the, you don't see the, the turrets and you don't see the, the flag and the emblems and those kind of things. But the kingdom is here today still. It's, you know, because the, wherever the king is, it's here. And if the king is, is in your heart, then, then the kingdom's here. And so it's, it's here. It's just maybe not as visible. But this story isn't just talking about that kind of kingdom. It's talking about an event that's coming up in the kingdom of heaven. It's talking about something that's going to happen, about where the kingdom of heaven isn't just a, a thought or not just something that we believe in and practice, but the kingdom of heaven is, is something that's real, that everyone will be aware of. Uh, it's about Jesus returning. Uh, and, 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 you know, that maybe that is a strange thing to be talking about. I, I know when I was growing up, it was really hard to, uh, I mean, it was basically like its own movie genre for, for a minute there, you know, is these, these movies that, that Christian uh, companies put out that had, uh, you know, about the end of the world, the end times, and, and you know, books on uh, fiction, and, and some that were, that were supposed to be nonfiction, but were clearly fiction also, trying to pinpoint the exact date that Jesus was going to come, come back. And it seemed like everybody was really excited about everything around Jesus returning but not Jesus himself. I don't think people in my generation and maybe some older, younger than me kind of picked up on that and saw the falsehood in it and kind of, kind of saw that, 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 you know, it was really just about making money. It was really, and we kind of turned off to it. And, and I think in a lot of ways, we've kind of shut ourselves off from thinking about it and talking about Jesus returning in some ways because we're kind of afraid of that. But I think maybe we've over, uh, we, we've gone the other way in, in, uh, a little too far, and we need to be thinking about it. And here's why: is because if you look out at our world right now, and you look at, at any situation in our world, it seems it can you can quickly be overwhelmed with how hopeless it seems. You know, if you look at things and just if you just pay attention to the news every now and then, it can seem just so just just a, how how polarized uh, we are even as a country, and those kind of those just just. Everything just seems so hopeless sometimes. But the fact that Jesus is returning, that, that brings us hope. That gives us hope. We know that God is doing something. We know that history is headed somewhere. And if you are following Jesus, that means you're part of that. You're part of that. And that's, that's why the, the, Jesus returning isn't something that we, we talk about to scare people or to, to, to just uh, you know, bring an emotion about. But it should bring hope to us that there is purpose in this world, that we are headed somewhere, that it's going somewhere, that God is up to something, and we get to be a part of it. And that's, that's, that's part of the greatest story ever told. That's something we get to be. That's the gospel. That is the good news that Jesus came uh, to bring us. There is hope. There is, uh, there is better things that are coming. Um, so this story, it is about Jesus' return. But maybe it's about something a little bit deeper. Maybe we can go a little bit deeper. Because here's the thing. If, if this story is only for people who see Jesus return, then that means for thousands of years, people have been reading this story, wasting their time. That, that's what that, I mean, if that, it's only four people that are going to be here when Jesus returns, then it's, I mean, it's, it's wasted, right? So maybe there's something that me and you can get out of it today. 
and, and, and something we can dig in and find out. I think the first place these ladies messed up, possibly, is they may have miscalculated the time. It may have miscalculated the time, and I am the world's worst, okay, about trying to just get somewhere at the very last second I'm supposed to be there, okay? I'm the world's worst, and it's gotten even worse now that I have a six-year-old, okay? Um, when I was, you know, growing up and everything, I, and you know, even into adulthood, I knew, you know, if I've got 15 minutes, I can get ready and be somewhere, you know? I can get ready and be out the door, no problem. But now, there's, uh, there's a, we have a few extra little steps that are thrown in there, you know, it depends on, can we find our, you know, it's not just getting the shoes on, it's where are the shoes, you know, where did you put, have we seen the shoes, do you own shoes, you know, um, and, and, you know, it's, I've never seen anybody uh, eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch at the speed she does, it's, it's like, it's a, it can go anywhere depending on what, how interesting the TV show she is watching it, watching, it can go anywhere from about two or three minutes to eat a bowl, to about 30 or 40 minutes to eat a bowl. So it's become part of my daily routine is while I'm getting ready, I'm shouting, are you eating your breakfast? Are you eating your breakfast? Because I know at the end I'm going to get there and she's still going to be sitting there eating Chapman Crunch, uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And, and it depends on how much of the Cinnamon Toast Crunch that she had that uh, kind of dictates how long it takes, you know, how much energy she has, uh, <laughs> dictates uh, how long it's going to take me to fix her hair, you know, how, how, how long it's going to be to get, just get a ponytail in her hair. You know, they go anywhere from like two or three seconds to... to 15 minutes. I mean, it's, so, so it's made me miscalculate time a whole lot. It's really hard to calculate time. So I know a thing or two about miscalculating time, okay? Um, but it seems like these ladies, maybe they've they done the same thing. Um, and I know that, that uh, for us, when we begin, you know, thinking about if, if, if being with Jesus, if going to heaven, if, if that's so important, why don't, why doesn't Jesus just as soon as, you know, we accept him, you know, as soon as we're saved. Why doesn't he just, boom, take us? Why don't we just go on? Uh, and here's the thing, is, and I think you all know where I'm going. You should. It's, it, it's that, that why, can't, why can't we just go now? Because it's not about us. You know, we wear the T-shirts that say that, right? It's not about us. Uh, you know, once you find Jesus, it's no longer about you. And, and if you don't know Jesus, you know, everything that, that, that he is, he wants to pursue, he is pursuing you with everything he has. He is trying to get to you. He is trying to reach you. But once, once you were there, it's about you telling someone else about that hope, about that peace, about that joy that, that you found in Christ. And it's about you sharing that with somebody else. And that's what we've got to do is we've got to take the focus off of ourselves and put it back uh, on Jesus. Because here's what happens. Okay, I'm going to read another uh, a parable that Jesus uh, told. He actually told this one right before, like actually it's right before the one we read before. And uh, I'm going to read it off the screen because I think I, yeah. Uh, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. And if the master returns and finds that the servants have done a good job, there will be a reward. But the master, the, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying, getting drunk. The master will turn unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces. That escalated quickly, didn't it? <laughs> it kind of got out of hand there. Um, but well, what you see there is, is, uh, is the, the servant is as soon as he took his, took his mind off, the return of his master. As soon as that happened, what's the first thing he did? It says he beat the other servants. 
is he, he mistook his own place and he began thinking about himself and not worrying about how, how he treated other people. And so I think it really starts that when we take our eyes off Jesus, we, we, we start losing focus on what's important to him. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. He came not, not to be served, but to serve. And so when we take our eyes off him and, start, and stop thinking about where this is headed, where he's headed, and we start, we start thinking about ourselves, we forget so quickly. We, we lose our focus so quickly on what it really is we're supposed to be here to do, and that's to reach somebody else, to, 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 to give to someone else, to be there for somebody else, to serve someone else. And so by focusing on Jesus, we take the focus off of us, and we leave the focus right where he left it, on those who don't know him yet. Um, there was an interview that was, I, I read, I came across, I think it was in Rolling Stone, <laughs> I came across that a couple years ago. Uh, it was Bon Jovi was being interviewed, and this is apparently a few years ago. And uh, he was asked, you know, uh, where, what his faith was. You know, uh, are, you a, you know, are you an atheist, or what do you believe in? He said, I, he said, I'm an atheist, but just barely. And he said, well, they kind of prodded him, like, what do you mean just barely? And he said, well, and he, he kind of alluded to the fact that he quoted Nietzsche and, and you know, God is dead, and that was kind of a, a thing that was brought in in the, the, the early uh, 20th century, and that we basically had a whole century to see how that played out, to see how God is dead and, and that we're our own masters, how that plays out, and, and where did that get us? And so even Bon Jovi, he kind of saw that, in the, that, that we had taken, our, as, a, as our world, we had taken our focus off of God and put it on ourselves. And he, he even saw the problems there. And I, I, that really struck me because I think it's apparent to just about all of us, that everybody, that our, that our society is so focused on ourselves. We, we can become so focused on what I need, what I want, what makes me happy. And we can completely miss what, what the opportunities that are around us to give to somebody, to serve somebody, to love somebody. But when we keep that focus where it's supposed to be, it changes everything. When we keep that focus on Jesus about, uh, and that the time we don't know and that every moment we've got, we need to be using it the best we can. That changes everything because it, it changes the, the way that, you know, when, you, when you're headed to work, you know, in traffic or when you're at work or, or when you're, you're at school or, or when you're just out running errands or when you're at home, you know, you can, you can either be focused on what you want, your needs, and what makes you happy, or you can be focused on what God wants, what God needs, what makes him happy. And what makes him happy when we give, when we reach somebody else, when we share his love with somebody that doesn't know him yet. And you know what? We can even walk into church thinking about ourselves. We can even walk into church thinking about our needs and what do, what do I, what, what, you know, is, am I going to get anything out of this today? And not be thinking about the person next to us that just needs to see us worship. We, 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 we don't think about the person that just needs to see a smile. You know, we don't, we don't see the things that are just obvious, obvious right here in front of us, the opportunity that we have right here to serve, to give. And some people, you know, say, so I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to, to give back like that. And I think maybe, maybe when we get like that, it's because we're miscalculating the time. We're, miscalculate, we're, we're missing the big picture, and we're miscalculating time. But I'll move on from there. Uh, but uh, so I think maybe first, maybe, maybe they did miscalculate time, but maybe their priorities were out of whack a little bit too, okay? Because um, it seems like they'd only brought a little bit of oil 
for a pretty big occasion, all right? Now, we don't understand this whole, like, you know, oil and lamps. That's kind of weird, right? Like, we don't do that anymore, you know? We just get our phone out and turn the, turn the light on, right? And that's how, we, that's how we do that. So it's more like, you know, it'd be, if it was brought up to modern standards, it'd be like, you know, five people that brought their iPhone charger and five people who didn't, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing. Um, but oil was, was, uh, it was a very valuable commodity back then. It was used for a lot of things. It wasn't just for, for lighting, uh, for lighting, you know, at, at night. It was, it was also used for, uh, for cooking, of course, like, you know, like we would do today. It's also used in, in cosmetics and, and makeups kind, kind of thing. It was used in a, a medicinal way, which we'll get, and we're going to read a, a story in another second that has it there. Uh, but it's also used for religious purposes. So, like, it, it you know, to anoint uh, in, in ceremonies and those kind of things, in burial. And uh, it was also used in, uh, uh, as like an offering that someone could bring to give at the temple. So, you know, it had a lot of uses, and it was pretty valuable. Um, so I think that maybe these girls, they were either misinformed about the magnitude of the upcoming event, or they just didn't regard it with enough importance. Because, you know, the, the amount of oil they brought, it, it says that, you know what, they said, you know what, we can just get a little bit. We, well, I don't need to spend a whole bunch of money right here. I don't need to, or maybe they had someone say, I'll just take a spoonful, you know, whatever. I have no idea how much, is that enough? I have no idea how much is enough to, to light a lamp. <laughs> but, um, but they didn't count the cost. And Jesus talked about this in Luke 14. He said, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all those who see it begin to mock him. And so any of them who does not renounce all that he has, that's my emphasis, not Jesus's, all that he has cannot be my disciple. So all that we have needs to be at our disposal. And it's not that we, you know, we read these scriptures and think, does Jesus want us to give everything away and, and not have anything? No, he wants it to all be ready to give. Because I believe everything that God has blessed us with, everything that he's given us, He's given it to us so that we can, we can share with somebody, we can, we can reach somebody else, we can, we can bring a smile to somebody's face, we can help somebody. Everything that we have, it's, it's put in our hands so that we can do that. Um, and kind of say, well, I don't know if that I have that much to give. And I know we've just done a whole sermon on giving. Is he talking about giving again? Um, but uh, let's, let, let's go, I'm going to go here real quick and look at what you really do have, okay? This is a, another story Jesus told. You're probably familiar with it. If not, the... Um, the story here, at least familiar with the, the title of it, the Good Samaritan. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and when he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he, when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. These are two people that, uh, that worked in the temple, so basically like what we call a church, a it looks like they were too busy going to church that they didn't realize they were the church. You know, they, they, they had an opportunity to do something, so they missed it. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him, and the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So look at that. He had oil and wine. He put him on his donkey. He took care of him. Uh, then the next day, he, he gave some money. So, so there's some things going on there. Let me, let me make it a little bit more clear maybe for you. Um, 
the oil and wine. So he, he had stuff, you know, that was ready. He was ready. He was, probably had another plan for what to do with that, you know. He might have been going to do some of that later. But he had the opportunity to give to somebody. And he used it. He put him on his donkey. I don't know about, you know, how big this guy was. If he was a me-sized guy or if he was a lot smaller. But that seems like that'd be a task, pushing a, another human up onto, you know, somebody that's not able to help themselves up, put them on. So he gave his sweat and his effort, and he gave care. He cared for the man. Uh, so, so, you know, being there for people, love, affection, we have those things at our disposal. Uh, and then the next day, so he, he stayed there with the man. It was, it was time, you know. He probably had other plans. He probably, but the opportunity arose for him to do something, and, and he took it. Uh, and then his money, he gave his money. And uh, so there, there are all those things that we, you know, maybe we focus too much sometimes on the money, but, but there's all those things that are there. There are all those opportunities for you to, for you to give. And, and we all have something to give, okay? And you can't take it with you, all right? Don't treat it like Nick Saban treats timeouts, okay? You can't take it with you, all right? Um, so do something with it. Do something with what, if you can't think, what's the point in, in holding it to yourself when you could be changing someone's life with it? Uh, there's a story I, I came across by a guy named D.L. Moody. He was an evangelist back in the 1800s. And he told this story, and uh, he said there was a, it's a, you know, not a true story, but it's kind of an example. He said there was a ship, and it, it crashed uh, on a, uh, a desert island, and the crew were marooned, and, but they had grain, and they had all the things they would need to to farm and to, to, to be able to feed themselves. But after, after a, a few days, they were still planning and getting the, the plan together to, to farm. They, someone, one of them came across a gold mine, and they all lost it and began to dig the gold out and just began so wrapped up in all this gold they were, they were amassing. And then suddenly it started to get colder, and winter came, and then they realized they didn't have any food. They were, they were going to you know, die if they didn't eat. And so they began trying to plant. They began trying to harvest, and it wasn't working. The time had passed, and so they, they, they died of starvation here on this island, surrounded by the gold, surrounded by their wealth. And he wrapped up the story like this, and I think it's, it, people don't talk like this anymore. I, I, I definitely don't talk like this, but this is the way he wrapped it up. This earth is, it, the, the earth, this earth is a little isle. Eternity, the ocean around it. On this shore we have been cast. There is seed but the mines of gold attract us. We spend summer in, spring and summer there. Winter overtakes us in our toll, and we are without the bread of life, and we are lost. Let us then value all the more the home which holds the treasure that no one can take away. So are, are your priorities out of whack? I'm sure if you were to ask the girls in the story, you know, they'd say, oh, yes, this, this wedding we're going to be attending, oh, it's going to be, it's so important. But you know, the amount of oil that was in their lamp told a different story, right? So where are your priorities? I think sometimes we look at this story and people look at the story and try to draw all these conclusions about it. You know, um, all these girls were bridesmaids and some versions, of the, a lot of the versions, the translations of this, uh, it says virgins. And so uh, people back then would know that meant what you know, they, they were the bridesmaids in this. But people have looked at that and been like, oh, well, it's, it's about morality, it's about purity. But all these girls were were pure. You know, all these girls were, were virgins. It's not, it's not really about that particularly. And some say, oh, well, they fell asleep. All of them fell asleep. The wise and the foolish, they all fell asleep. And all ten of them, the wise and foolish, were all aware that the groom was coming back. And all ten were right where they were supposed to be. 
but some of them were truly ready to join in the celebration, and some were not. So, are you ready? Not, not, I think when we hear that, we think face judgment. Are you ready to join in the celebration? Are you ready to play your part that is to come? Because you know what, if, if you're not going to play it now, what's going to change then? You know, I think a, a lot of times we, the church in the past has looked at Jesus' return and been like, oh, well, Jesus is going to come back, so, the, you know, we'll just let everything, you know, just fall apart here. We'll, he'll fix it when he gets back. It's almost been our attitude, and that's just it's such a horrible attitude for us to have, and we have to check ourselves and make sure that's not, not it, but it also comes to us, too, and like, like oh, well, well, Jesus will fix me, and, he'll, and I'll really begin to serve, and I'll really begin to, to do things and, and focus on Jesus then, but now, now is the opportunity that we have, you know? I don't, th- I don't think we should be, you know, clipping newspapers and, and tying up, you know, uh, push pins with strings on the wall trying to figure out, you know, you know, <laughs> read, you know, read tea leaves and that kind of thing, trying to figure out exactly when, you know, this time and the date that Jesus is going to be here. But I do think we need, all need to be focused that it could be at any moment. It could be at any time. And because of that, we need to use every moment that we have. Yeah. Every moment. Not put it off and say, oh, well, I'll get to it later. I'll do it later. But now, use, use every moment the way we're supposed to. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.